0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 348 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. What's up today, Richard? Hey Seth, I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing good. It's been a, a busy weekend. I've been moving this weekend, trying to get stuff into my new place and organize, but I'm excited to talk some magic. I haven't had much time to play magic over the last couple of days, so uh, I'm really hyped that we get to talk some magic today. But before we get into that, we got another co-host in Krim. How's it going today, Krim? Morning, Seth. Uh, It's
1: going well. I'm pretty excited because, uh, yeah, new standard, rotation, everything. Uh, It's here. So it's been here, and now I get to play the format some more.
0: Yeah, and that's actually going to be one of our big topics for today. We're going to talk new standard stuff. Also want to talk about a uh, couple of tournaments, one that is going to be happening one that was supposed to have happened so we're going to start talking about uh, some tournament news and then just talk a bunch about standard before answering your fish mail questions so that is a plan for today before we get into it though a reminder that our show today is brought to you by card conduit and you've probably heard about them from us before they're a great way to sell your magic collection and card conduit is offering a new service that's geared towards selling smaller batches of valuable cards with reduced service fees with their curated shipment service, you can sell your cards for the best available buy list price with only a 5% fee. And just like all of Card Conduit services, you don't got to sort your cards. You don't got to grade them. None of those hassles. All you got to do is safely package them up and ship them out, and you'll get a detailed report with the results. So you can check out Card Conduit's curated shipment option as a way to buy list up to 150 cards with fast processing, optimized prices, and the low, low service fee of just 5%. And right now, you can even get another 10% off by going over to Card conduit.com slash goldfish. So Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards, and a big thanks to them for supporting our show today. And uh, let's talk some magic. Let's start with a, a couple of tournaments. I think one of the big pieces of news of the last week was Wizards partnering with Metrino, I think it's called, an <laughs> online tournament service provider. Uh, Richard, what uh, what is the news with that? What happened with Metrino? Alright, so out of left field, Wizards was
2: like, hey, look, we've partnered with Match." to run online tournaments and Maturino is like melee except it's uh, not magic specific uh it seems to be like big in other eSports uh games uh, but so wizards partnered with Koies team liquid Machturino to launch this tournament uh tournament only had like 300 dollars worth of gems of payout which was a very <laughs> small amount given the names that we're seeing here. Uh, But it was free to enter, right? It was free to enter, but they had technical difficulties. People could not submit Midnight Hunt deck lists. And then at the last minute, they had to cancel the event altogether uh, due to technical difficulties. So uh, disappointing on many, many, many levels, because when we first saw the news, I was like, oh, wow, we're actually going to get like in-game events. Right, uh, community-run in-game events, but then turns out no, it's actually just like melee. But like, okay, you know, they're they're going to officially support kind of like a melee clone, and then maybe you know we we get like this new organic ecosystem. Uh, but that didn't turn out well. The the prize pool is very lackluster, and then it actually did not work at all. So. That sounds like a wizard's digital slash esports endeavor if I've ever heard one. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, like. Uh- so I I don't really know Matrino. I don't play fighting games. Apparently it's big with Melee and other fighting games. My question is why not just go with MTG Melee? Like Melee is really sweet. I don't play a lot of tournaments, but I've played a few tournaments through Melee and I've been really impressed with just how easy it is to use, how smoothly the tournaments run. So I was really surprised because I figured Wizards, if they were going to do something like this, they just partner with Melee, which is like the magic version of Matrino anyway. Really weird to me that they re out outside of the Magic community when there's such a good option already in the Magic community. And then, of course, the event failing is just kind of... It's so Wizards and just so like it was a few days after they announced it they did this big announcement they're like yeah tournaments are coming doing this big kickoff with croquis and and then next thing you know like oh we're gonna have to cancel it and th- the tournament itself like you said was what like 300 bucks of gems was a prize for the tournament like for having these huge esport organizations and a you know almost m- multi-billion dollar company in wizards and hasbro like it's really ridiculous that uh, <laughs> that's how that went so but I guess it's typical of wizards when it comes to stuff like this but why do you think they didn't go with melee like is there some issue with melee that i'm not aware of that makes wizards want to partner with someone else
2: esports money <laughs> right like yeah. what has more esports weight right what has uh so Maturino has like big name investors behind it right it has esports organizations attached to it so i can see why but like the minute we made this announcement i was talking to you guys and i'm like this is gonna fail because melee is made specifically for magic right so it has all the stuff you need for magic players uh and match does not right so they had to have built it for magic uh but apparently they did not right you couldn't even submit like midnight hunt decklist right yeah like what's up with that right so that that's a problem of like going with the big name uh that does something generic versus doing something very specific to your game so i'm very disappointed wizards didn't use melee which was like homegrown from the magic community but instead went for like the big names and uh, it didn't pay off right like but, you know, when you do say, like, Team Liquid, Macherino, blah, 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 crokies tournament, right, it sounds a lot more impressive than just, you know, Wizards Melee tournament. So that was the angle they were going for, but it didn't work out. I, do you think there's ever a chance
1: that maybe Wizards tried to buy something, like, buy or, like, uh, work out a deal with Melee, but maybe uh, Melee wanted
2: more, I don't know, I guess, financially to, to make a contract work? <gasps> it's I mean, very possible right when, when you have big investor pockets right you can be like here have this for free <laughs> right whereas <laughs> melee is like oh we got to pay our bills you need to pay something yeah right? but i don't know the specifics of the deal but i mean i, I don't mean know. <laughs> isn't
0: it isn't it brad nelson who who kind of like founded or was like a big part of founding melee I and he's think like so. i mean yeah brad's a, a long time magic pro who was in the MPL. it knows all the watsi people so i mean obviously i don't know the details but i would imagine that uh that Melee would love to be partnered with Wizards if it worked out. I have a hard time imagining Wizards going to Melee, being like, hey, let's do this, and Melee being like, nah, like we're not interested. So maybe they couldn't work the numbers out or something. I guess you never know, but it definitely, I would lean towards Wizards going to the big-name eSports, you know, hashtag eSports or whatever, and, and having it actually be the wrong choice in this case just because melee like richard said is built for magic when maturino is built for fighting games and i'm sure it's really good i've heard people who play fighting games say that maturino is really good for fighting games but it just might not support magic the way it needs to yet so ah just dis- a disappointing for sure those 300 hundred dollar esports dollars you know
2: <laughs> <laughs> i mean that, it, it, like, why, why is isn't so that an little. insult
0: <laughs> isn't that an insult? Like, it's Team Liquid, one of the biggest esports organizations in the world. It's crokies the biggest Magic streamer in terms of views, I believe, or at least one of the biggest Magic streamers in terms of views. And it's Wizards, who is making more money than ever in their big kick. And this isn't some random, you know, FM event. This is their big kickoff of their partnership. And the prize pulls 300 bucks in gems. Like, that's... Oh. In-game yeah, currency, three
2: hundred dollars. Could, could it be a little more generous though? That, I mean, that, that's going to throw it, off the entire economy. <laughs> at, least some, at least run
0: some, at least throw some uncommon individual card rewards. Wizards, come on, come on. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, Uh, in other tournament news, maybe more exciting tournament news, uh, we got some paper magic on the horizon. We got a big announcement from Channel Fireball that in uh, November, just before Thanksgiving, they're doing a um, MTG Las Vegas weekend. So not an actual Magic Fester GP, but apparently it's going to be a little bit like a GP Vegas. They have a modern main event. They have a Innistrad Crimson Vow sealed main event, $50,000 in prize is uh what do you guys think about paper magic making its return in a big way in in like a month two months from now like very soon on the horizon so you know like we 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 talked about this
1: a little bit with uh with like i believe the flesh and blood tournament channel fireball had put a while back and i i'm still in the camp that okay i i don't think it should be happening (laughs) um but but at this, cause like, I don't think I'll be going to any events until like 2022, maybe end of 2022, uh, early 2023. However, there is very much so the part of me that wants to go, right? That wants to be there, that wants to like play paper magic and just sit across from my opponent and stuff like that. But I don't know. I mean, are all of these things just coming too fast down the pipeline? Like, are people just kind of like, Kind of just getting a little bit too eager to go back to paper events and do all these things. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but, uh, yeah, like, cause I, I feel like we're not we're, like the, like the vaccinations haven't even like fully rolled out to some people. And, you know, we've only had it for like what since July. So I don't know. I'm a little skeptical.
2: So I, we had the previous announcement of the, uh, the SCG event where they didn't really bolt down on like vaccinations or anything they kind of left in the open and then this channel fireball announcement comes out and they're stating uh you must have proof of vaccination uh, or negative covid test from the past 48 hours and like basically half of their announcement is dedicated to safety right like what they're doing to keep social distancing what to do with um you know how do you like play your matches and stuff like that right right and then Star City Games released their statement saying, yes, we're going to need vaccinations as well. Uh, so the Magic community is trying to do something about this, but I, I still lean with Krim. Uh, you know, it's a bit early, uh, but at the same time, right? We, we talked about this last time, right? Like football stadiums are full, concerts are going on. Government's like, yeah, do whatever. You know, it's, it's hard to make uh, kind of these businesses police themselves because they're businesses and they need to make money. Right. So kind of like the best thing is just don't go if you're not interested. And then if there's not enough interest, they won't do it anymore. Uh, but at the same time, there have been people cooped up at home for a long time and they really want to play Magic. So, yeah, it it kind of sucks and it's hard. But I don't know. Like these are the two big tournament providers and they're here, right? The only one left is like WOTC itself, right? So how long before WOTC... Uh, does something. And I think the success or failure of these events will kind of tell us, but it's really hard to tell the failure of these events, right? Like uh, success would be like, yeah, we got a packed hall. We made all this money, like the biggest tournament ever. Failure is everyone comes back with COVID and spreads it in their community, (laughs) but no one will see that, right? Like you can't really measure that easily. Uh, And then, yeah, so I'm not sure how this will actually turn out since it's not really easy to see if it, fails, like in the COVID case. It can fail financially. That's easy to see. No one shows up. Everyone's staying home.
0: Yeah, I assume that CFB uh, is feeling comfortable with it being somewhat successful, at least based on the Flesh and Blood tournament, apparently drawing a lot of people in Vegas. Uh, It's interesting that they announced the Magic tournament like a week after the Flesh and Blood tournament, so they must have felt like, okay, there are people who are at a point where they're, you know, ready and willing to go out to events right now, even with all the COVID stuff going on. I think... Yeah, it's hard for me to come down too hard on on Channel Fireball or Star City for throwing tournaments just because so much stuff is open now. Like I was watching the Bills game yesterday and they had a packed stadium full of people and they have a vax requirement now that uh, some people are very upset about, but I think it's a good thing. Uh, so it's the world is opening to these big events does magic need to not throw big events? Because uh, even though everyone else is, that seems a little weird to me. I would say that it's uh, in some sense, is it wise? I don't know, but everyone's doing it. And that's, I know horrible, horrible reasoning to be okay with that. Uh, But if everyone's doing it, I can see why Star City Games and Channel Fireball would. I would just encourage people to, go with their own comfort level, like just because there's a tournament, even if you want to go to the tournament, doesn't mean you have to go to the tournament, and if you are not in a place where you feel comfortable going to a big event that's, you know, out in Vegas, and who knows where compared to where you live, then, uh, then don't go to it, and there's nothing wrong with waiting, and that's, I think, where I am as far as Vegas, like I'm not against them throwing this tournament, but I don't think I personally am gonna go to it if it was next summer or something. I think it'd be super hype because GP Vegas is like my favorite magic event, and I love going and hanging out in Vegas, and I love GP Vegas. But for me personally, I feel like it's probably like a smidge too early for a for my comfort zone. Like, let's see how it goes with all these football games going on, all these concerts going on. Like, kind of, kind of wait and see because it is still a little bit early in the process. As Krim said, vaccines haven't been out that long. We're still trying trying to get people vaccinated, there's still a big number of people that are vaccinated. So I feel like Channel Fireball is trying to do it the best that they can given the circumstances, having the vax requirement or a negative test and all the other safety stuff. Uh, But still for me, I think I'm gonna be a lot more comfortable hopefully considering like who knows what the world's gonna look like next summer. But if things keep heading in the right direction, I think by next summer, I would be a lot more comfortable like making the hike out to Vegas for an event like this November. Ugh, cutting it a little a little close maybe a little early for my personal comfort level
2: the problem with vegas is no one lives there right so yeah. everyone's traveling into vegas right and all the other people in vegas don't live there either right like people there gambling and you're know, doing whatever right so mm-hmm. whereas star city games uh they're probably somewhere in the midwest and like it's just like mostly like people from that area coming in uh, but this one, you know, you got to hop on the flight. You got to go to Vegas. You got to sit in a giant hotel. Uh, so, so yeah, we'll,
0: we'll see how it turns out. That said, I mean, it's exciting that we're heading this direction because I, I was worried with the OP announcements and stuff that... We just wouldn't have big magic tournaments anymore. So even if it is too soon, uh, from some perspective, it's encouraging that we know tournament organizers like SCG and Light Channel Fireball are still interested in running magic events. Because that's something that I think people were kind of nervous about a few months ago when all of the announcements came out about MPL going away. People were like, are we even going to have, you know... Are there going to be big money events that we can go to and play competitive magic? Like, will these exist? And I think at least this answers that question, that it seems like both Channel Fireball and Star City Games must think it's going to be profitable to run big magic events or they wouldn't be running big magic events. So even if it is too soon, I think it does bode well for the long term possibilities of paper magic and competitive paper magic making a comeback uh, in the future, which uh, that part is uh, pretty exciting, I think.
2: Do you think this could be the end of Grand prix? right? This is one of the first uh, big tournaments that's not directly associated with Wizards. So what if Wizards says like, hey, Channel Fireball, you're doing a great job running paper tournaments. Um, you can keep doing that. And we're just going to stop with the Grand Prix's. We'll just do like a couple of pro tours a year, call it a day. But all the big paper events come from third parties. No official Wizards backing.
0: Oh. <sighs> I kind of feel like that's what Wizards would like, to have Channel Fireballs and Star Cities and uh, other big tournament organizers pick up the events themselves, and then Wizards has something like, oh, if you do well at these Channel Fireball events or Star City events, then you qualify for the Pro Tours that we throw. I think that that would be what Wizards is angling for. Maybe they do some command fests. I think that's another big possibility. I feel like the command fests were kind of a big success right before COVID hit. So once uh, Wizards feel comfortable running events again, I wouldn't be surprised to see those come back. But as far as the days of like every weekend having a GP, I remember a few years ago, like 40, 42 GPs a year. We had double GP weekends where there were multiples going on. And every weekend there was coverage. Every weekend there was a GP. I kind of feel like those days are past, at least as far as Wizards. I think maybe, you know, Star City Games gets their circuit going again or Channel Fireball does something. But as far as an official Watsy thing, ah, I don't think that's coming back even after the pandemic. Yeah, that makes sense. I kind—I I think I, I definitely agree with Seth
1: there. I, I don't see it coming back anytime, uh, even once we get back to normalcy, right? Uh, it just feels yeah, like they would rather it just be ran by third
0: parties. And maybe that'll work out. I, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, like, I really hope there's a way for people to go play competitive magic, uh, because I think that isn't, I think that is important. Like that does matter to some people. And even someone like me, I GP Vegas matters to me. I've never cared about grinding and trying to make a pro tour, but I do care that those events exist because I have a lot of fun going and hanging out at them and like just meeting people and playing side events or doing whatever. So I feel like having those events are important to the magic community and I do feel like uh, there has to be something from Wizards to incentivize it, to keep that going. There has to be, you know, the Pro Tour at the end of the tunnel or some sort of support from Wizards. Because it's hard for me to imagine. I don't know. Do you think it's profitable for someone like Channel Fireball to run an event like that? I mean... I'm not sure that it is. Uh, that's I what scares me. I don't know about me. profitable, but I, I could eventually see to where, like,
1: how maybe they just start fusing, uh, like, these magic events, these big magic events in with, like, a PAX West, right? Because, like, they had worlds simultaneously. Uh, It was when Kaladesh got announced. BBD ended up winning the thing. But uh, that was announced at the same time, or happened the same time as PAX West. So what if WotC then just decides now they can move all these tournaments, these Pro Tours, whatever, in with, like, a big Gen Con, right? So Gen Con will be for this tournament. And then, you know, uh, PAX West will have this tournament. And, you know, like, I, I think that's how they could move forward and still do some kind of big paper magic event.
2: Oh, I just and like that, that so much. Sweet. I would just go do PAX West things. Like, why would I sit you you grinding play like 80 hours of magic <laughs> or something? Right? Like, oh, no, I made it to day two. No, I can't go see all the exhibitions at PAX, right? Like, I wouldn't <laughs> just not, not do that, right? I think magic's big enough that we could keep it separate. Like, if you had just, like, a small tournament and you didn't have the means to hold your event, then, yeah, you can, like, fuse it in with packs. But I kind of want to do both, right? I kind of want to do packs and Experience Magic Fest, so I don't want them to overlap.
1: Wouldn't that make it so then, like, this way,
2: if you go O2 Sushi, you can O2 PAX Wander, right? Or... or <laughs> Vegas uh... has this exact same problem, right? Like you know your your friends scrub out they're having a blast in Vegas you're sitting here like oh no i want another match right <laughs> you got to play another match here and yeah. then like you've spent all day playing magic your friends are having a great time at the bar or whatever right like Vegas already has this problem we don't need to make it worse <laughs> i
1: mean i guess the reason why i like the idea of it is mostly just because then you can turn, like, so then it's not like that Magic is just throwing a big tournament. It's more that Magic is having a festival, right? And you're at a con, right? Like, like, because we had talked about this a while back, how Magic Fest and all that stuff was meant to feel like, well, a festival, a a convention, right? A a Magic convention celebrating, you know, itself. And the best way to do that is to actually have it also be a part of a con, right? Because I felt like so far it's been close, but it hasn't quite just... It hasn't quite hit yet. It hasn't felt like Magic Fests and GPs and all that stuff feel like a big magic convention. And I think the way you can have that is by, well, I guess kind of like adding it in with
2: another bundle of another, you know, a uh, big, like a PAX West or something. So, so speaking no, of no. con stuff, the, the the Vegas announcement does not have any of the con stuff, right? Usually they announce like Artist Alley, cosplayers, content creators and things like that. Yeah. But... Their announcement is just a tournament. I don't know if these additions are coming or they've just decided to cut them all together. But usually, like, the artists and cosplayers are a big part of Magic Fests. I think these are going to get rolled out at, like, a
1: lot closer to the event. I'm sure they're putting it together as we speak. This is something to just get the ball going. Uh, But I have to imagine a a non-zero amount of content creators will be reached out to or something like that, or artists, or, or who knows what, right? Because if it's just Vegas... A room and, you know, like, us just playing Magic. I don't know. Is I, may, that, that could be... That's enough for some people, but it, then that's, like, actually a step backwards from where Magic Fest was. But then again, they've also gone ahead and said that this is not a Magic Fest, so... What is it?
0: Yeah, I mean, SCG at their SCG con, they did announce at least a bunch of artists and some pretty interesting. Like Drew Tucker is someone who makes some art that I really like. So and Christopher Moeller's on there. So Mark Poole. So there's some pretty big name artists. So we know that at least SCG is heading that direction. I would also guess that Channel Fireball is probably going to announce stuff like that as it gets closer. I really feel like the threw this together rather quickly uh, my I, I almost feel like they like had this idea in the back of their minds and they were like well let's we're doing this flesh and blood thing let's see if anyone shows up that was a success and they're like all right let's do magic like let's announce the date let's do it let's get it going so I wouldn't be surprised if they're still figuring out the artists and cosplayers and that end of stuff but I, I would expect that they will be coming well any other thoughts on tournament stuff before we talk a little bit about standard our new standard format all right, let's, let's talk some standards. So we have new standard, Innistrad Midnight Hunt standard. We're, what, like a couple of weeks into the format digitally, and I have really enjoyed playing the format. So let, let's start there. Let's start with an easy one. Have you enjoyed playing standard so far post-rotation? <laughs> I, I will say yes. I've
1: had the time of my life playing the standard, but that's because I haven't had to see an Eldraine card. So <laughs> I I I got, like, ran over by werewolves. And
0: I was like, you know what? That's great. <laughs> it, That's it awesome. Is
2: so, it is,
0: it is kind of true. Like, you get that beat down. And at least you're not getting, you know, Bone Crusher it or, like, Emergent Ultimatum. So it kind of feels okay, even if you're, like, getting crushed just as hard by some yeah. new Innistrad stuff. Well, so I I wonder, though, like... Do you think that means this standard is good or, or does it just mean that last standard was so bad that any standard looks good compared to it?
1: I, I That's the thing I'm trying to like figure out for myself, right? Because obviously my view on this standard is definitely tinted under the light of like, oh, rotation. It can't be worse than last two years, right? So, so like not having to deal with the Okos and all of that stuff and what felt like the longest standard life I've ever played through um yeah like at the same time like i think there are cool things that are happening in this standard format uh and as i and it feels like i i love the fact that we've returned to like i guess returned to an older more familiar form of power levels when it comes to magic like if i if the biggest concern i have is like some kind of aggro deck i think that's a good thing Or, or like well like that's 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 why i'm like so pumped on this format like getting stomped by werewolves getting stomped by mono green yes i hate green and i hate ranger class and eska's chariot but at the same time it, is it that bad like is that a bad thing i mean eska's chariot is like an easier to kill gideon um and and i mean like and not to say that it's a weak card but like yeah like this format has shaped out to uh, shaped up
0: to be well fun so yeah, I I've, mean I have. I'll oh, go ahead, Richard. Have uh, you played? Have you played standard?
2: Yeah. So uh, I, I I've executed my plan of just playing on Moto. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's actually worked out pretty well. I'm actually shocked at how fast the matches fire off. Um, but all I see is Rangers class and Chariot and Epiphany. Oh yeah. And it's kind of rock paper scissors, right? Like you play something that's not green, you get beat by green. Unless if you are playing green, then the blue deck beats you, and then that. It's, like, that kind of rock, paper, scissors. But the Chariot is just, like, all over the place. Like, the Chariot's quite obnoxious. Now, is it Eldraine obnoxious? Probably not. But it is everywhere. I, I feel like I see Chariot, like, literally every match. I mean, you gotta I mean, think about that's... it this way. These are cards that were played during
1: an Eldraine standard. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, like, they saw play. They weren't, like, the best cards in the deck, but they were there. Right? So, so that means that if they, you know, like if they were still getting some play in that kind of format, there's definitely some power. Notice how Goldspan, notice how Epiphany, even Eska's Chariot showed up here and there, right? So, like these are cards that had its time in an L drain standard. So I'm not surprised whatsoever that they're dominating this format. Ranger class was already really good uh, as it was moving into rotation. I think Ranger class is an absurd card. Uh, and I think, oh my god, like, 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 what is that, green? Like, right now, the green shell is just for Eska's Chariot, for Ranger class, whatever else you want to throw
0: in there. Ren, I think Ren's in the, the staple oh, yeah. level, too, Ren. Ren and Seven.
1: Yeah, Ren and seven, uh, like, in there somewhere, but, like, legitimately, it just feels like most of it, it like, the core of any green deck is already there. There's eight cards that are just auto included. So I'm almost at the point now where I'm I've I've been trying out Esper control and I've been playing it with the main deck uh remo- like whatever disenchant from Kaldheim that gains me four life. So like the, at this point yes, it is it is Eska's chariot is everywhere. It's very powerful. But yeah, so
0: uh, Is it bad? Like do you do you think it's bad like for the format? I mean, okay, so I I have mixed feelings on this. On one hand, Richard's right. When he says it feels like Azika's Chariot's everywhere, that is true. And the numbers back that up. Like, we don't have huge tournaments yet. We had a standard challenge. That's probably the biggest tournament of the week. Uh, 44% of decks were playing Azika's Chariot. The top eight was five mono green decks and one green white deck with Chariot and then two it decks. So Chariot is certainly everywhere, Uh, 44% of decks, I don't know if that will hold up to bigger tournaments and over the long term, so keep that in mind, this is a a relatively small tournament, Uh, but that is a really high number, that's a number that's higher than I am comfortable with if that were to hold up long term, on the other hand, I kind of feel like if we end up in a standard where Azika's Chariot's the best card in the format, maybe that's a good thing. Like it's, Azekasuria is a pretty fair card. It's a four drop vehicle that makes a couple of cat tokens like, it, that is not a Oko or an Omnath, or a Nyssa, or some of the Miserable Fires of Invention, these things that are just like, oh, Wilderness Reclamation, I stick this four drop and win the game, essentially. Either you deal with it right this second, or I'm gonna win the game, and you're not gonna have any chance. Azekas Chariot isn't really like that, so I feel like maybe a standard where Azekas Chariot is the best card could end up being a really good standard, and I do think that these green decks are probably gonna be beatable. Just like, looking at the deck list kind Of makes me want to build a control deck, like I feel like some sort of control deck, if you build your deck properly, could probably have a really good game uh, against those cards. Like, main deck disdainful strokes maybe seems to like hit a ton in this format. You're hitting Goldspans and Azekas Chariots and Alrin's Epiphanies. I think the most unfair card is really Alrin's Epiphany. I'm still like more concerned about that just because it feels less fair to me than Azekas Chariot in the games where your opponent just like chains together two or three of them and you're kind of like helpless and just lose those games are probably my least favorite games that we have in the new standard, but really I'm still enjoying standard and I'm not convinced that a standard where Azeka's chariots, the best card is actually a bad standard. Like I, I think that might be a really good standard after what we've had recently.
1: I, I do think Outruns epiphany should be like just, on the chopping block get it out of here not because it's like the most broken thing in the entire world but because the play pattern's miserable i hate extra turns and you know what that was a card that definitely saw play in eldraine and uh yeah like i don't know i really just don't like extra turn spells wizards needs to stop making them in standard you want to make them somewhere else outside like sure go make them in commander or something right go make them elsewhere maybe modern but just stop making them in standard they're never a good time <laughs> And, and on top of that, like the cards that I hate most in this format are actually Ranger Class and Outruns Epiphany. These are the cards I like to call it. Uh, if you've watched my stream, I call it the face roll cards, where if I just rolled my face across the keyboard, these cards will do something and I'll probably win. Right? Like, and, 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 uh, like the thing here, like I just don't like those two cards. I think those two cards are just absurd. And Outruns Epiphany is huge. I think that should just
2: just delete it. Just delete it. Stop printing extra turns. I, I, I'm okay with Epiphany though. Like I'm okay with Wilderness Wreck, right? Maybe the deck was too strong, but you had to build around the card, right? Wilderness Epiphany is a build around me card where it goes in like a very specific deck, right? You can't just jam it in any blue deck where Ranger class and Chariot, like you playing green, just throw them in. Like there's no synergies. There's no combo. There's nothing, right? It's just, Grossly overpowered for its stats. So if you're playing this color, you just throw it in. You're playing aggro, throw it in. You're playing mid range, throw it in. You're playing control, you can probably just throw it in anyway. Right? Yeah. That's. I don't like those kind of cards. So I'd rather just have Epiphany, but like tuned correctly. Right. Like maybe it's a little too strong. Maybe it doesn't need to make two birds. Right. Maybe you should (laughs) die with like no chump blockers. Right. But it's the birds, (laughs) but you it's its own deck, right? You have to build around it. And when you successfully build around it, you get rewarded with like a good deck. Right. So I think that's fine as opposed to Rangers class. Like why would you never throw it in a green deck? Right. It goes in every green deck unless you're not playing creatures or something. Right. Which why would you do that? Right. So
0: I, I, I think I I think I disagree with that to some extent. Like, yes, I think it's true. Ranger's class, you're just sticking it in a green deck. Or Ezekiel's uh, chariot is sticking it in a green deck. But I do kind of feel like Elrond's Epiphany is sort of like that. I've noticed when I play decks and they have blue mana in them and I don't have Elrond's Epiphany, as I play the deck, I'm thinking, "Wow, I, what can I cut for Alrund's Epiphany?" Like, I think <laughs> this deck would just be better if I had four Alrund. I was playing like a blue-black zombie deck, where I was splashing blue for counter spells, and I was thinking, "Like, this deck would probably just be better if I had four Alrund's Epiphanies." Because why wouldn't I play Alrund's Epiphany? I can cast it, and it's that good. And I think the tournament results sort of reflect that. Like, is it something either control or dragons is the most popular home? But there's some like werewolf teamer, werewolf like aggro style decks that are playing. Like Reckless Storm Seekers and Kazandu Mammoths and Magdas, and they're playing for Elrin's Epiphanies. That's another one of the decks that showed up in the, the top 32 of the challenge. So I don't know if it's that much of a build around, really. I, I mean, definitely it- agree with Krim that I think we just shouldn't print extra turn spells in standard for a while like give it a break i think maybe we've just power crept too much and extra turn is just too valuable now so maybe just don't print them for a few standards and and see what things look like without any extra turn spells or make them like 10 mana or 12 mana like some ridiculous cost where sure like it exists but then you really have to build around it like then you got to be like dedicated hardcore ramp if you're ever going to cast it
1: yeah and I, and I mean like for once again like I don't think Our Run's epiphany is like it needs to go on a power level thing. Uh I think that it, it's more of just like play patterns and annoying, just really annoying and just it, not not fun really. Um and and however I do think that with Richard though. I do kind of agree with Richard in that like, you know, these are, these green cards are thrown everywhere. It doesn't matter what what deck it is. If it has green, it's going to play that like it's to the point where now i can safely play disenchant in the main deck and know i'll have a ton of targets
0: yeah i mean that is that is a concern what do you think about the control theory crim like is control an answer to mono mono green? You probably are the, the best control player of our group. Like, is that a legitimate answer, or do ranger class and Azika's chariot just offer so much value on like difficult to kill permanent types? <laughs> Talking about main deck disenchants and whatnot, like, is that even a possibility, or does the deck just beat control because these enchantments and artifacts are really, really strong and good against control? I mean, I was playing just blue black. And then I had to add white because I needed Vanishing Verse.
1: The issue here is that everything from green is now a must answer. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, like, there's a few key cards, but control is, I guess, it's okay. But eventually you're going to have to tap out. You have to sweep the board because... You know, like, you can't, like, a null is legal in this format. And if you're really gonna try to pack some a null, you gotta have it in your opener because ranger class comes down on two. If you're on the draw, you're good luck. Right? So, I, I, I don't know. I feel like control is okay, but it's not as favorable as you would think. Unless, because, like, okay, the best control colors, let's say you go blue-black. Blue-black struggles unless you use Feed the Swarm at sorcery speed, Ugh. which is then Ugh. followed up with another ranger class because you tapped out, right? Or another Asika's Chariot. These aren't, like, like, they don't mind losing them because all these cards have already given them value. I've already gotten my 2-2. I've already gotten my two cats. You are now taking your turn off to answer this. And it's, yeah, it, it's
2: kind of like a a really bad snowball for you. So, so yeah. I've been playing mono green. I only lose to control. Control like destroys me like they uh like is it controls or whatever. So what they do is they just like bounce your ranger's class and then they like take extra turns and then like kill you and you don't have the reach to uh get there. So usually they they play cards to dig ahead of you. So once they stabilize, which isn't actually too hard, Uh, You know, I get destroyed. I I don't know what I'm doing against control. I I need to learn how to sideboard or do something. I don't know what the tech is, but I'm getting destroyed by control. And then green mirrors are a flip. And then if I play green versus something else, i probably face roll them. Uh, My creatures are too big. Uh, But that's how I've been seeing it. So I don't think like green is unbeatable, right? But the question is, if you put all your resources into beating green, do you still have a legit deck for the rest of the field? Um, But is a good card, man. You, you're just like one for one Epiphany and you're ahead, right? You got two birds and you got extra card. You got like an extra like seven mana to work with, right? And you can usually pull ahead if you're not already in shambles by the time you cast your Epiphany. Yeah, um,
0: I think I think Control at least has a chance. I think it's it interesting does. that... It does, it does. But it's not any... as
2: favorable as you would
1: think it is. Especially yeah, uh, I, like I against wolves. I think that's also true. Maybe if it's like mono green you have a shot, but like against g- red green with wolves... I still think that, like, I'm surprised that Wolves, you know, like, hasn't been a little more popular uh, on the, the competitive, like, I guess the first challenge or whatever, standard challenge event.
0: Yeah, I think one other interesting aspect of the format, and I think this is partly because of the green decks, is we don't really have a mono-red style deck. We don't even really have mono-white. I know it exists on the metagame page, but if you look at tournament results, mono-white hasn't really been good. So we don't really have that dedicated, like, I guess... Green is sort of aggro, but when you're playing like, you know, a bunch of four drops and you're playing maybe a five mana Planeswalker, it feels kind of like a mid rangey style aggro deck. We don't have that really fast load of the ground aggro deck, and I don't know if we will. Like, I, I don't know how a deck like Mono Red Beatdown or Mono White Beatdown, how do those decks beat a Nazika's Chariot? Like, it's just not happening, right? Like, you just, <laughs> they play that one card and they just flood the board with stuff and you just can't beat it. So, I don't think you can get in under those decks. So, that, that kind of leaves going over, over the top of them either with ramp or control is the only realistic option because I don't think you're going to out aggro green or gruel or whatever. What do you think about what do you think about a renin seven? I think that's a card that how much of how much of the problem, if it is a problem, of Azekas Chariot is attributable to renin seven in the synergy with make a big tree folk and then copy it with Azekas Chariot, or would Azekas Chariot? still be the best card in standard or one of them, even if Ren wasn't a thing. Like, is Ren on our problem card list or is that just a good card, but a fine card for standard?
1: That is just a good card. Ren, without, like, the, the whatever, the giant tree there, a Cherry, Chariot's still absurd, right? Like, it's still very powerful. So I, I, I think that Ren itself, though, is a very good magic card and is also a little underrated, well, probably not, so much by now uh but you know like i think the card is powerful and but but it would it's a sika's chariot doesn't need anything that's the thing it doesn't need anything to make it good it itself resolving is good the chariot costs one less (laughs)
2: right and it's not legendary right or no it is it is legendary but but you get the cats you still get the cats which can crew your existing chariot so drawing multiples is not yeah um, too bad but the chariot's just easier to cast. It's just four versus five, right? So, you know, if you're you're playing aggro, Asika can be the, the top of your curve. Whereas Ren in seven puts you like squarely in mid-range. Although I guess aggro decks still play it, but they're not really aggro, I think, at that time, right? They're they're really trying to play the mid-range game. Uh but I think they're all related, right? Like you have a strong green curve, right? So you, you can curve chariot into Ren, or you can just go. Chariot by itself or you can go Ren by itself right so uh, I think it's just a strong curve but Ren 7 play has gone down as more decks have come out it was all over the place on the first week but by now like Chariot is outpacing it Uh, so we'll see how the metagame actually resolves itself
0: yeah I feel like if dragons continue to decline then Ren probably declines alongside of it because I always felt like you needed Ren to deal with, like, the Goldspans or whatever to make this big blocker to slow slow down those decks. But if there's not as many dragons, then maybe it loses a bit of its appeal. I know for me, maybe one of the biggest surprises is actually Divide by Zero. That's a card that I saw a lot in standard 2022, and I thought, okay, like, whatever, it's best of one, In best of one, you might as well play lessons to get some value out of your sideboard, but we'll see if this actually works in best of three, but every time someone plays a divide by zero against me, or almost every time, it is really impressive, it's almost like a remand in standard, the value that you get out of it, being able to bounce a spell back to your hand or even bounce something from the battlefield and grab a lesson from your sideboard. So I think for me, that's been maybe the biggest shock is just how good that is in that lessons might actually be a little bit playable in, in best of three standard alongside best of uh, one. Has there been any kind of sleepers for either one of you that you were just kind of surprised by that were better than you expected?
1: Uh, you know, I think Divide by Zero was kind of not really a surprise for me because, I mean, I guess I had been playing with it since, like, Standard 2022, and it just felt amazing. So, I think this feels like a primed format for lessons. Uh, but I, I if we're talking about cards that I think actually kind of, like, are still uh, a little underrated, I, you know, I really do like Weathered Runestone. Um, but I don't know if that's gonna still be true as the week progresses, but I, I do, like, at the first couple of weeks with, you know, whatever that new collected company with, you know, ranger class, I've had a very good time playing weathered runestone to prevent people from, like, being able to cast off the top of their library. Um, that's one of the cards that's been just kind of, kind of like, yeah, like another graph digger's cage. Um, other than that, I, <laughs> I think Vanishing Verse is amazing. I think Vanishing Verse is like probably like just it, it. It's probably the best removal spell in the entire format.
0: Oh, it gets everything. There's like yeah. hardly anything that that doesn't get for two mana, instant speed, and it even exiles. Like, yeah, that is such a great removal spell. That, I think that's a reason to play Black and White in your deck. Really, like getting that unconditional removal.
1: Yeah, that and Portable Hole have just been really really solid um on top of that fateful absence has also been another good one so i i have really liked the removal here uh what's the unsummon fading
2: hope yeah or fading something yeah with the scribe. yeah that that, that ridiculously good (laughs) like when i saw that i'm like that's a temple card but i just lose to it with control decks because because epiphany is so strong Right, and the uh, the thing that like digs deep with flashback, the four mana and the flashback seven. Oh, memory deluge two. is amazing. Yeah, so like this fading hope, like just like basically time walks you until they epiphany, and then just go off. So like this weird unsummon is actually kind of good. So I- I've actually been blown out by this a lot, and I did not expect to be losing to unsummons.
0: Yeah, that that card has really impressed me as well. The Scry is a nice bonus. It gets rid of, like, Ren tokens and other tokens, and it's a good tempo play on top of that. So, yeah, I think uh, Fading Hope, very, very good. Follow-up question... What's one card that you think people should be playing more of now that we're looking at this meta game and we're getting an idea? Lots of Azekas Chariots, lots of Elrond's Epiphanies, lots of green decks, lots of is it decks. Is there anything that you're thinking, all right, like uh, considering this is the meta, here's something that maybe we should try out that could be good against the meta? Hmm. I mean, I've been loving Malevolent Hermit. Ooh. I will say, Krim. I, I, when we did the top ten for Innistrad, Midnight Hunt, I was kind of meh on the Herm, and I don't know. But after seeing it in action and playing with it a bit, I think you're right on that one. I think that it actually is a really sweet card. That's actually a lot more powerful than I than I gave it credit for during spoiler season.
1: Yeah, like I mean, when you think about what we're complaining about right now as uh, a Chariot. Um even Ranger Class or Ren or or maybe Outrun's Epiphany. This card does what you want it to do. On top of that, it comes back and it makes so that all your cards are uncounterable, which would then force your opponent to use removal on it. And it's a little bit of an awkward card itself, right? Because like, well, you try to play it. Well, if they counter it, it comes back. And then you can also just sack it to counter something later anyways and then make it come back. So it's just such a powerful card against the the it decks. However, it's Stone Cold. The backside, Stone Cold sucks against the green decks. However, it, it's not embarrassing because you can still counter the Chariot and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I, I think Malevolent Hermit is one of the big ones and Meat Hook Massacre.
0: Ooh, I love Meat Hook, Hook Massacre. That's still one of my favorite cards from the set and it's been pretty impressive now that we've gotten to play with it too. I think for me... Really big fan of Disdainful Stroke right now. I know it sees a lot of sideboard play, but considering that the, the most played cards in the format and the best cards are Azika's Chariot, Alren's Epiphany, Ren, Memory Deluge, Goldspan Dragon, it hits so much that I think that this is a meta where... I would play disdainful strokes in the main deck. I think there's oh, there's yeah, a pretty definitely. solid argument to just main decking multiple copies of disdainful stroke, and it might actually be the the best counter in the format right now. Like it might even be better than like saw it coming or so or yeah saw it or something like that. So I think that that's one of uh one of the cards that I'm planning on playing a lot more and moving into my main decks rather than just leaving in the sideboard.
2: So I actually stole this tech from the most winning list on uh, the recent challenge. They're playing Unnatural Growth in their green deck, and Ooh. I thought that was a commander card, and that card is hilarious. Like, you win any <laughs> green mirror, like, immediately when you cast this card. Is it better than playing Red and Seven or, uh you know, Tovalar or something, like, higher in the curve? I don't know, but it is a hilarious card in green mirrors. Uh, you just, like, default win everything, and, like, any one of your tokens is, like, a giant threat against uh, control decks.
0: Yeah, or, or your your creature lands, right? Like your yeah. face is saving. It's yeah. like, all right, well, yeah. that's a problem. Ah, well, any other thoughts on our new standard format before we maybe answer some fish mail this week? All right, all right. let's fish mail it up. Uh, if you have
2: questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. 11 Vicious, can we have one stream a month where we do a watch party to catch Seth up on all the pop culture he's missing out on? Let's start with John Wick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you know, you know how many years it's going to take with one stream a month for me to catch up? They, they they keep putting out new relevant pop culture stuff. So I don't know <laughs> if I'd ever catch up. I think I just keep falling further and further behind. But that would be kind of fun. I'll have to look into it. I don't know. I don't know the legality of streaming something like that on Twitch. Can you just put on John Wick and watch it with your, you know, followers on Twitch? Is that a a legal thing to do? But I would be down to do that at some point if it's actually, like, legitimate and legal and I'm not going to get, like, banned from Twitch or something for doing it.
1: You have the Amazon watch parties. So as long as everyone has an Amazon account, they can watch it with you. Ah, And if it's on uh, Amazon.
2: Yeah. Hmm. It's John Wick on Amazon. Hmm. What we need is we just have we just hire content creators to recreate John Wick, yes, <laughs> in our yes. own vision. <laughs> That's what we need. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah, it's a cool idea though. I would I would be down with doing a goldfish movie night sometime. Maybe maybe do an against odds poll on what we watch uh, out of the things that I know nothing about, and then uh, <laughs> watch what everyone gets the most votes. So yeah, I'll look into that and see if there's a way we could do that because that could be fun. Uh, Chef Cheesy
2: nine one five. Seth put out a tweet about being happy with the current meta. Do you think with the amount of content creators today that the majority of players burn out on the major cards being played, e.g. Ren and Chariot specifically? Wait, uh, what's the question? So? There? I think with like the amount of content being created today is causing people to burn out over these cards.
0: So I'm obviously probably a little biased because I'm a content creator, but I don't think that content is... A huge part of it, I would say that Arena is a big, a big part of it, and in multiple ways. Like one of them being the amount of games you can get in super quickly and easily on Arena, and the other being how hard is it is to switch decks on Arena. One thing I've realized recently is uh, I got to Mythic pretty early this season maybe the earliest i've ever gotten to mythic and once you get to mythic on arena and especially if you're not trying to qualify and you're floating in like the somewhere in the 80 high 80 mid 80 percent range that's actually a really fun and interesting place to play meta uh to play magic because you don't have people who are trying to grind a mythic and you don't have people who are trying to qualify once they get to mythic so there's really no incentive to try to you know be the grinder who's trying to win every game so you actually See a lot of different decks. I think I see the most diversity at Low Mythic, and I feel like uh, Arena could be more like that. The economy and the incentives just push people to play those same cards over and over and over and over again because you can't get different ones, or because you got to try to win to qualify for something, or you got to rank up on the ladder. So I tend to point the finger more at arena in the ladder system in the economy than content creation but again i don't know maybe maybe as a content creator i'm biased and i'm missing the impact that content creation has on uh, the meta and people getting tired of it i mean i i could see
1: where that's coming from right because I, like you have big streamers you have like crokies you know you have all of these streamers and people that kind of like drive people towards a certain card or a deck right and and it's a little bit of the well you know I don't really want to do the testing myself, so I'm just gonna take whatever card is, you know, whatever cards and decks have already proven results, and I'm just gonna keep playing that because my wild cards are rare to me, so I'm just gonna keep playing that. And I'm sure if one person's willing to do it, there's thousands of others. So that's I I could see how like like yeah, maybe some content creators can move the needle on certain cards, uh. But does that
2: cause the burnout? I I don't I don't know if that's the direct cause of it. Yeah, I think it's all kind of related. I think social media is a thing. Like if I'm playing by myself, I'm like, Alrin's epiphany. I'm like, it's okay. It's a little obnoxious. But then I hear Seth talking about it. I hear Krim talking about it. I go on Reddit. I see it's the top post. Now the card, which I was 50-50 on, maybe it's, you know, 80-20 broken, right? And then now I lose the next match. I'm really pissed. I'll go on Reddit and I'll like make a post about it, right? And it kind of like spirals and snowballs itself, uh, kind of like, you know, this is the Reddit echo chamber. Right. And that happens all across social media. Uh, so I do think that does have an effect. Right. I, I do think if we had this exact same meta like five years ago, you'd see a lot less complaints uh people well, you know you wouldn't have the same Cobble kind of like- would have never made it to the end of its life pretty much <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fairies yeah, um, would have never made it to yeah, the yeah, end yeah. of its life Cobble, right? i would never would never make it right so yeah i think it, it is something to do with the current environment but it's not just content creators right it's like social media magic arena um i'm sure the pandemic has something to do with this uh so yeah
0: that's just kind of where it's at right now and And do you think maybe that's just the world more than just magic when you bring social media into it? Like, I kind of feel like you could could see the same things happening with, you know, more real world events, thanks to just how many voices and how the conversation goes and echo chambers and all that stuff that takes place on social media. So maybe this isn't a magic problem as much as us adjusting to our new social media you know world that we're living in now
1: i mean that's that's kind of just been a thing that we've all known about right i mean like it's just like hey uh that w- like we have so many ways to like acquire deck lists now right and like all of that so yeah i i, I could see social media playing a part of that, that also that, that, yeah oh yeah uh, Go ahead. Uh, once again, the reason why I brought up the whole Cobblade and the fairies decks and all those things would never have lasted as long as it has is because social media now is such a big part of magic. Magic didn't have like a social media presence for quite some time. Like it had its like, you know, front runners, like the prof and whatnot. But like to be honest with you, I don't think magic really had social media until like war of the spark. Yeah.
0: It's definitely grown a lot. I think it existed before War of the Spark, it but did, I think but the, the big boom happened around right. that time for sure. Because like,
1: because like if what I mean by this, is, yeah, like it definitely existed before that. But if, if it had existed even well before like War of the Spark and it was at the level and you know, like if ever at as, as it is now and if people were as vocal as they are now, that's why half of these, like all these broken decks, would, like like psychotog, all these things would have never made it to the end of
2: its like standard life. All right. Next question, real tap water. What am I missing with the new lands? They're only three bucks, but seem to be some of the best new duels for EDH. The first two turns don't matter as much. Then they're untapped forever. Oh, you're not missing any. uh, Like, I mean, the cards are very
1: good. Especially in EDH. Uh, I, I, I think the only, the only times these new lands aren't going to be good or maybe like in modern where, or like legacy vintage or something where the first few turns are where the most things happen. Uh, but yeah, like otherwise standard commander, I think these new lands are amazing. They're cheap now just because they're fresh. They're new, but when they eventually go out of print, I don't think they'll stay that way.
0: Yeah, I I also think these are great lands for Commander, and I think they're underpriced. We saw the same thing with uh, Forgotten Realms and the Creature Lands, which were shockingly cheap when the set first came out. Like, a dollar. Some of them were two dollars, like, in that price range. And they started to creep up pretty quickly, like, two or three weeks after the set was out. They started to go up in price. I would not be surprised, looking at the EV of Innistrad Midnight Hunt and seeing how low it has been overall... And seeing these price of the lands if they start to increase in price sooner rather than later because they are standard staples for as long as they're in state uh, in standard and i really think they are good enough to see play in a lot of uh commander decks so yeah i would i would lean towards just picking them up now i guess the risk is they get reprinted somewhere and get even cheaper but outside of reprinting i think uh i think the future is bright for these lands as far as them increasing in price and demand all right last question Tikasaurus rex Uh, I was curious about your thoughts
2: regarding Flesh and Blood post-Vegas Calling. The prior episode, you were basically all using it as a guidepost to how popular the real game was. Uh, I've been playing it for three, four months. But have have we formulated any opinions on Flesh and Blood? Has anyone played Flesh and Blood since we last brought it up? I tried to watch a video on it. I have no idea what's
1: going on.
0: (laughs) I I feel very out of touch. (laughs) So my opinion is... Uh, And I I have also seen some videos because, like Vince has done some, and the Prof has done some. So I've seen some videos describing the game. I haven't played it. For me, I've always been a, a primarily a digital player. Like I play in paper when I go to events, and a little bit here and there casually. But really, I've always been someone who plays Magic online and plays other games online. So the fact that Flesh and Blood is paper only, it just doesn't appeal too much to me personally. Like if I'm gonna spend a lot of money in flesh and blood cards even from the people who really like the game that's one of the criticisms is how expensive some of the cards can be that you need to play uh, you need to play competitive decks if i was going to spend that amount of money on cards i would just build a new commander deck or something if i was going to put that money into paper so it's not for me although if it's something that is exciting for you that's that's awesome one thing i dislike is how there's been this kind of like rivalry, almost, or, like, people being, I don't know, salty at magic, or salty at flesh and blood, like, they can both coexist, and they can both be fun, and if you're not having fun playing magic, play flesh and blood, and if you're not having fun with flesh and blood, play magic, like, it doesn't have to be some competition thing, it's not like only one TCG can survive or something, and, you know, that's the only one that'll exist, so I do hope people tone it down a little bit with that, and just let people enjoy things, I feel like some of it's, like, salty magic uh like spikes who are mad about organized play and like kind of take it out on magic by like really pumping up flesh and blood so i don't know uh like i said it's not really it's not really a game for me just because it's not on digital but if you enjoy it that's awesome and you should play it ironically enough we need magic arena for flesh and blood
2: right a free to play <laughs> way where you play like jank cars but you can learn the rules and you can see what the game is about before you like sink all your money in <laughs> to like actually build a real deck right but the biggest problem for me like Seth is I'm not going to my LGS to play flesh and blood I'm not even going to play magic why you know why am I go to play flesh and blood right on top of that, I got to spend all this money to buy a deck like I need some free way to test it that's easy right like I don't want to proxy cards here right like it feels <laughs> like a lot of work um it's a but, lot of text to also remember <laughs> yeah right you, gotta, you basically got to learn a whole new thing where i'm like i could just go play standard i haven't played standard in a while let's go right so um funny the the vegas event was very popular and uh it, it is successful uh but with all these new card games usually the first couple sets or maybe year or two are really good and then it all falls mm-hmm. apart Like, they're Mm -hmm. unable to keep power level in check. They're unable to keep innovating in card design or, you know, stuff like that. Not to say that Wizards is good at it still. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe power level questionable or ban list questionable now. But Wizards was really good at sustaining the game, right, for uh, decades. Uh, And that's kind of the test for all these new card games. Can they keep up the hype? Because usually the first couple sets of any card game is pretty good. But yep. it's usually a year or two later where the meta just all falls apart and it's a cash grab. And yeah, they just yeah. they
1: just print whatever they can as much as they can and run the game into the ground.
2: Yeah. Now whether that's going to be the case of
1: flesh and blood, I have no idea. Uh I I, on the other hand, of like, you know what? I've started also like <laughs> I have picked up another card game. I just started playing. Did you know that you can build a Pokemon standard deck for like a hundred bucks? Ooh, I, yep. I did not know that. Yeah. Like like a tier Pokemon competitive deck, like tier one is like a hundred some dollars 105 like 120 bucks and to me that's just like wow that's amazing and there's a digital client so like honestly i i I think i've decided to just like i'm gonna start playing a lot of magic and pokemon like why not and and there's a new digital client coming out so i'm pretty excited for
2: it all right yeah i'm surprised magic players so if, if you like vintage style games to try Pokemon. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> like, <storm>. like, <laughs> like, yeah, everyone's storm and like, it's a real thing where you just run out of cards and kill yourself because you drew too many cards, right? As a magic like yeah, I'll take some cards, <laughs> sure, right? Like, yeah, I'll draw more cards, I'll wheel again, I don't know, wheel, yeah. I've decked a- myself And this like wide. wheels,
0: wheels and cabal <laughs> therapies, although if you get cabal therapied, it feels pretty bad in that game. Like, I won't, like, <laughs> like you're not yeah, coming back. So I I can easily draw myself to death and po- maybe yeah. I'll have to pick up Pokemon. Yes, you're going to love like it. Very- you're you're, you're, <laughs> you're going like to something it I would like enjoy. Vintage. like vintage.
2: Yeah, the cards are very powerful and you need to be careful not to deck yourself. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's so okay. much fun, though.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Um,
2: all right. So- I might check it out. That's all i time for Fish Mail this week. Thank you to everyone who sent in questions. If you have questions, send them to @mtggoldfish MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail. And we'll get to your questions on air.
0: And I believe that that brings us to the end of episode 348 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So Richard, Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So until then, have a spectacular week, everyone. And this is The Crew signing out.